It's Tuesday, the 14th of March, 2017. And if you're listening in the UK, uh, Greenwich Mean Time, it's 11am. If you're li- listening in Standard Golf Time, it's 3pm. This is Jess 2017. The following radio show does not contain flash photography, but does have full-on entertainment right from the start. Share your news and views with Russell and the Net Support Team on Stand X20. Here, live at Jess 2017, every day. Turn up the bass! Took a pill in Ibiza. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Welcome to Net Support Radio, broadcasting live in Dubai. Share your news and views with Russell and the Net Support Team on Stand X20. Here, live at Jess 2017, every day. And a very good morning, good afternoon to you. Oh my goodness, I'm having a fabulous time. It's lovely, lovely to have you with us. Big hello to everyone who's listening across the planet and thanks so much for joining us. This is Jess 2017. It's a huge, the second biggest educational technology show on the planet and it's fabulous. In true Dubai standards, listeners, it's bigger than the biggest thing you've ever seen in your life. Absolutely stunning. Coming up on today's fabulous show, we will be joining Al Kingsley in just a second, just to capture his thoughts on Jess quickly before we get into the show. We've got some Vox Pops from some passers-by with some fabulous names. It's so worth your while listening to this, me wrestling with their names. It's going to be an absolute hoot and a half. And of course, the keynote presenter here is Graham Brown Martin. We have an extended interview where he and I are putting the world to rights. We're talking off-world habitats. We are talking cultural identity and safeguarding that. My goodness, it's such a really good show. We've got music from the charts here in Dubai, some fabulous music. Uh, this track's I'm going to play uh, called Feel. Uh, Mahmoud Oran, I'm going to play her track uh, shortly in just a minute. It's a bit of activity going on in the hall here as well. Uh, listeners, if you want to commune with us, you are very welcome. Some slightly different contact details this year if you want to I think the Middle Eastern drummers have just arrived in the hall but that's fine we'll just simply dump this music and go with their content in just a second but if you want to commune with us our text number slightly different from normal if you're dialing internationally do dial carefully please I've no idea who you'll reach but if you're dialing outside of the UK you will need your plus 44 and then 7624 802272 that number one more time is plus 44 then 7624 802272 if you're dialing from the UK then normal text service is absolutely fine if it's on the website use it that's fine if not then 07624802272 you can of course email us and that may be cheaper for you as well radio at netsupportsoftware.com you can find us on Twitter as well just use the hashtag netsupportradio and if you wanted to give us a call we'll take in calls in our show just leave your name and details we'll come back to you particularly in a song as well because I'll need to be off mic if we're going to do that but our telephone 
telephone number is plus 44 208133 5170. That number one more time, uh, plus 44 if you're dialing from outside the UK, uh, 208133 5170. If you prefer in dialing in the UK, then 0208 5170. That's all the details, it's all on the website. Just head across to the main listening website, which is netsupportsoftware.com forward slash radio. Hopefully, you're there. If you're not, you're in app as well. Uh, just some initial hellos to people who have uh, very kindly tweeted. The fabulous uh, one of our super fans is the. Uh, uh amazing Ian Rocky thank you or Iron Rocky as we've been saying recently on some of our uh, children led broadcasts Ian thanks very much for listening as well uh, Emma is listening Chris Lovesy thank you very much hello Chris thank you very much Samantha Thompson hello to you as well uh, Bogdan uh, we are so pleased that you're not here to disconnect us uh, and you celebrate this as well because hopefully this because <laughs> it's all going to go wrong now isn't it because uh, our connection is loud and clear a big hello to Jane Neal as well if you want to get a mention on the show listeners just spread us a tweet get us a, a text get some communications with me and we'll gladly put your name onto the show well what can i say about dubai oh my goodness it's big it's loud it's fabulous it's culturally rich it's oozing with so many exciting things um, my visit to the Cheesecake Factory will feature heavily in the show because I have to tell you how fabulous that was. We'll also be talking local culture, more importantly, uh, about how that's affecting the proposition here uh, in this uh, fabulous, really interesting and quite diverse culture. It's all happening here. It's Russell Peru right the way through with you for the next hour on Net Support Radio. I hope you have a really good show. Get in contact. I'd love uh, to uh, chat with you or maybe read a dedication out if you want as well. Al Kingsley's up next. Don't go anywhere. Share your news and views with Russell and the Net Support team on Stand X20. Here, live at Jess 2017, every day. Listeners, delighted to welcome Al Kingsley to the show. Al, thanks so much again for having me on your ticket here uh, at Jess 2017. We're in Dubai. Why Dubai? Why the Middle East for you? Well, firstly, hi, Russell. It's lovely to be here with you. Um, Dubai is an interesting marketplace. Obviously, it's a hub as part of the, the, the broader Emirates. And over the last few years, we've been very successful with particularly our classroom management capabilities, um, working with projects like the Smart Learning Project here in Dubai and in Abu Dhabi. Um, and I guess we've seen a huge investment in some fantastic educational technology. Uh, and the, the UAE have, has a country have really focused on driving up educational attainment as the foundation for growing business in the future. Just briefly, do the same challenges exist here as they do elsewhere in the world or is there something unique, the combination of cultures I'm thinking well, of? I mean that there are different challenges in terms of cultures but I think from an educational perspective we would probably come back to that common baseline that says all children need to have access to information in a number of ways and in parallel we need to make sure it's a safe environment to which they can operate. And, and just to just briefly kind of tell me what, what sort of equipment are we dealing with here? Are they, uh, are they wholly desktops or are they, are they embracing all uh, the kind of mobiles technologies that you and I kind of know? I think it's a really good question. I mean, here they are absolutely embracing every form of innovation. So from desktop to tablet to bring your own device to traditional classrooms to blended and flipped learning, you know, the whole lot is here. Um, and they're always looking at ways to innovate and engage students in different ways of learning. Brilliant. Al, thanks very much. Chatting live there with Al Kingsley, Net Support Software. 
share your news and views with Russell and the Net Support Team on Stand X20. Here, live at Jess 2017, every day. And with the time just coming up to eight minutes past, uh, fabulous, oh, I'm just looking at a distraction there, coming up to nine minutes past, the time just goes so quickly while you're reading a time check out. It's nine minutes past three here uh, in the standard golf time, and of course, nine minutes past 11 in the UK and Greenwich meantime. Thanks very much. Uh, Matt has gone in contact, and Matt wants to say, would like to say he's missing Sam, Emma, Tom, Andy, Darren, Katie, AJ, David, Mark, and Bogdan brackets not really <laughs> i added the not really bit though i hope that's okay i'll just probably get to trouble for that as well but never mind it's really good uh, wow what can i tell you so still loads more great stuff to come as well the scale of the place listeners i cannot cannot i hope some of my photographs have kind of just alluded to the scale of the place it is enormous if you think the americans had the march on the size of shopping malls you are much mistaken i have to say the world's biggest shopping center is the dubai mall and we've been looking around some of the technologies for research purposes of course only uh, some of the technology and the super high high ultra definition tvs are breathtaking uh, in at 84 inches amazing kind of technology there as well just the size of everything a shopping center with an aquarium in it which is really good uh, thanks bogdan always appreciate uh, the retweet there as well really good um an amazing space as well which means the challenges and the opportunities here are bigger more diverse and perhaps a little bit more complex and i'm catching up with graham brown martin a little later on in the show we've got him in a couple of parts because uh, he had to go off for some more um workshop activity this afternoon and we recorded him immediately after he finished on the main stage here a, a breathtaking piece that i hope you'll enjoy i'm going to make that available separately i think uh, and and post it elsewhere because it's a, a really interesting piece uh, we don't get normally to speak to graham in the length of time he gave us he gave us nearly half an hour of his time uh, amazing conversation about the breadth and depth and details about his uh, latest book that he's working on his new title i'll have to wait a year or so for that uh, but it is really really good news as well so do remind you just to get in contact to our text number plus 44 if you're dining outside the uk 7624802272 we have of course radio at netsupportsoftware.com hashtag us netsupportradio please and of course if you want to give us a callie poos you are very welcome it's plus 44 um, 208 on tomorrow's show, we'll be hooking up live with a team of young broadcasters and we'll be connecting directly to their radio station and putting them live on the show. Really exciting times here uh, for uh, for creativity and that's the really the most exciting view beauty of the whole thing uh, you're listening to net support radio with me russell Peru, right the way through until four o'clock my time and then it'll be pool time no it won't be pool time at all the show's open right the way through till six here so we've got a very busy afternoon do not think that i should be hitting the pool uh, and enjoying the gorgeous weather here because you're always relying on gorgeous weather here as well um get in contact i'd love to hear from you don't go anywhere it's all all happening here Come and meet the Net Support team on Stand X20 at Jess 2017 here in Dubai. Tag the show on Twitter. Just use the hashtag NetSupportRadio. Trust us for all your news from the show floor. 
It's Net Support Radio, broadcasting live every day from Stand X20 here at Jess 2017. Listeners, a guest has just dropped into the studio. It's Corina Suter from Jacko International. Welcome to Net Support Radio. Thanks so much for joining us. Tell the listeners about Jacko International. What do you do? What's it all about? Hi, Russell. Um, yeah, well, Jacko International is a multifaceted business corporation that has a lot of projects in the education domain in Abu Dhabi and Dubai in, within UAE. We are working with schools, nurseries, uh, certain, uh, certain uh, special needs centers, as well with corporations um, on, on specific products. So, yeah, we are here in the market for a while and uh, we are growing. That is good to know. Is this your first chess or have you been before to this conference? Personally, it's my first, but Jaco International has been here for a few years now. Excellent. Tell me about the relationship with Net Support. What, what do you do with them? Well, what do we do together? Well, we are working perfectly fine. I get a very good support from them. We are actually um, uh, selling the product uh, in uh, UAE, in Abu Dhabi mainly. Because we really, Jaco International believes that net support is a really good tool, really uh, helping uh, hand for uh, ner- for uh, the schools. Yes. And uh, not only schools, also for IT managers. I met some IT managers in corporations recently, and oh. they are like net support uh, DNA is coming as a glove for them. So it's yeah, really amazing. We are working together very well. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining. It's lovely to chat with you and. Uh Perfect, perfect voice for radio. A very Thank you good. so much, Russell, for this opportunity and all the best in that support. Hi, I'm Phil Blow. I'm Natalie LaRose. Hey, I'm Sean Mendez. Turn your radio up. Hi, everyone. My name is Megan Train. Hey, everybody. It's Charlie Puth. Let's move it again. Get it on. Meet the Net Support team on Stand X20 at Jess 2017 here in Dubai. Welcome to Net Support Radio, broadcasting live in Dubai every day during Jess 2017. back with the amazing Al Kingsley listeners and I wanted to Al just pick up a conversation with a uh, I'm asking this with you with your number of different hats on because not just software industry hat but also uh, as an educator senior leader and those kinds of things that responsibilities you have here what about life without levels now for us back home and also for emerging markets it's an interesting concept isn't it because as you'd expect what it's done is it's put that onus back onto teachers themselves to get a sense of how they can monitor student progress in the classroom and no matter what market we're in that life without levels puts greater requirement for software in place that allows to support teachers in monitoring and most importantly evidencing progress that's happening in the classroom you know fortunately we've been doing that for 25 years as net support but the bigger picture is that consistency and how you actually evidence activity and can i can just kind of nail that subject down in some more details there just chat with me about the kind of products that that are available that will help colleagues get that kind of uh, information well obviously the, the most important aspect which is where net support has its track record are tools that allow teachers to monitor in both a visual and an audible sense activity that's going on in the classroom. And that kind of classroom management collaboration tools are really there to support teachers when you've got, in most times, you know, 30 learners, maybe a teaching assistant to support you. 
and you want to provide that evidence that the, the children have proceeded and understood, you know, got a good, good strong grip of the subject at hand. And so any kind of tool that delivers that ability to monitor and then capture and take a visual record, screenshots of what they're doing, or of course can deliver some form of formative assessment, you know, at the end of a plenary at the end of the class that can actually challenge children to make sure that they understand exactly what they've been doing during the lesson. Um, and again, that's, that's the mainstay of good classroom management technology. Uh, can I just um, ask about flipping classrooms? So will uh, educators actually kind of change the, uh, the pedagogy and the delivery mechanism for their learning and kind of flip them? Uh, how popular and, and how do we make those more popular? That's a really good one because I think flipped classrooms are definitely a concept that are being um, in, engaged by teachers more and more now. And of course that, that flip really puts the onus on the student for their, their research and learning away from the classroom. And so software needs to support that process. And one way is an approach we do that allows a teacher during the lesson to create a student journal, a digital record of what they've been covering, but more importantly, key resources for them to go away and research. So once students get home, they've got this record of all the key content, websites, resources they need to access as part of that flipped classroom. And then they can bring that back to school and as part of that flip process, then you've got the teacher there to really be there to support the queries and the extra questions that have been generated as a result of that. And I think in terms of developing independent learning, as they move closer and closer yeah. to further education, it's a really good model that's got some great educational benefits. Absolutely. Uh, turning now to safeguarding, and we, we, we have a new set of protocols in schools in England where the emphasis is on protecting young people from a whole range of uh, uh, issues. D do those kind of issues exist elsewhere in the world and those kind of protectionist services that schools absolutely must invest in now, uh, is that requirement uniform? I, I think it's the uniform may be up for debate but I think underlying that the concept of keeping children safe in education is recognised worldwide and like most things with more power and flexibility with devices to consume resources comes greater risk. And so that, that requirement to be able to... I mean, the reality is you can't stop children going online. You can't stop them consuming content. What you can do is monitor and provide the safeguards so that if you identify they're going off track or they're accessing content that may place them at risk, that the professionals, the adults, are alerted to that and can then step in to make sure they steer children. And it is about that concept of steering, being informed and educating children. Uh, and, and the backbone of our NetSport DNA solution is very much about monitoring what children are doing across the school and providing that intelligence for the safeguarding leads, the internet safety leads, to take that forward. And what we see is in different countries there's a different bias. In the UK we have prevent duty and preventing kids from terrorism and radicalisation. Um, recent industry news here in, in, in the Middle East has been more about protecting children from bullying, online abuse. And again, the methodology is the same, albeit the focus might be slightly different. Can I ask whether this is something that is done at a kind of micro level, at an individual school level, or is there capacity for what we would call multi-academy chains, or for local authorities, or for uh, educational areas? Can, can we scale this back into something that can deal with lots of schools and collect all of that data? We absolutely can, and I think it's a really good question. Thank you, Russell, because I think not only do you want to go beyond the single school to the trust or the school organisation on a broader level, but when it comes to intelligence of what young people are researching, 
perhaps young girls looking at topics around body image and so on, mm. actually the broader picture gives you much more credible intelligence about the challenges and risks that young people have. So solutions like NetSport DNA are absolutely based around a central repository where lots of schools within the trust, or the MOE as a whole, can feed back in to give the broadest possible safeguarding picture. Brilliant. Well, I wish you a very successful. This is day one of a very exciting show, certainly for me. Uh, old hat for you because... <laughs> it's every time we come here, there's fresh faces, there's fresh ideas, there's some familiarity, but as you know, it's a fantastic place to come, very welcoming people, and it's great to be here again. Brilliant. Great to carry on the conversation with you. I'm sure we'll talk more over the next few days for the moment. Al, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Share your news and views with Russell and the Net Support Team on Stand X20. Here, live at Jess 2017, every day. It's just gone 21 minutes past the hour. It's 21 minutes past 11 if you're listening in the UK. And if you're listening here, I can pretty much, uh, we have two clumps of listeners. We do have some UAE listeners, uh, according to the map, which is really good. Hello, welcome. Lovely to have you. Of course, it's 21 minutes past three. You're listening to me, Russell Prue, right the way through until four o'clock here on our Net Support Radio Dubai version. We've shipped the entire radio studio and a lot of the stand over here to this fabulous World Trade Center, an amazing complex here in downtown Dubai that's served beautifully by a really smart uh, public transport system, which is just the envy, really. I wish we had access to that uh, back home as well. It just kind of runs. But the most important thing, I think, for me is driverless trains, uh, which is fascinating. Uh, some of the trams have got drivers in, but the main infrastructure is completely uh, driverless, completely automated, uh, really good. And so more about my experience as well. What have we discovered um, on this trip here? And this isn't my first time uh, into town. I've, I've been before and, um, and explored some of the areas as well. But on this particular visit, I have discovered mint lemonade. I'm just putting it out there, listeners. I'm not making any judgment, but mint lemonade i so would never have paired those two things together but out here it's hot darn hot a lot of the time and one is always quenching uh, uh desiring a thirst uh, desiring something to drink and wanting to quench one's thirst and mint lemonade is so refreshing.com forward slash amazeballs just amazing um and i've got some with me now actually i'm really enjoying that it's really good uh, back on out onto the text as well big hello uh, an email here from christine riley christine thank you very much hi russell Hello to you and your colleagues, Al, Matt, Denise in Dubai. Hope you're having a fabulous time. We are, but we are working hard as well, Christine, as you would expect, really. Enjoy the rest of the week. We're doing our best. I hope you can continue listening. We'll try and bring you something different each day. We've got some guests lined up for tomorrow who just didn't make the cut for today's show because we kind of ran out of time. I think we've probably got about an hour's uh, content with a couple of pieces of music that I just wanted to share with you. Uh, just like uh, back at home, uh, the fabulous Ed Sheeran is dominating mo- much of the chart. But there are a few, a few kind of really interesting tracks in there as well. And I'm going to play one of those uh, in a short while for you in the middle of the Graham Brown Martin interview. Just kind of break it up for interest as well. Uh, do do remember, if you want to get in contact, all the contact details on the website. Just head across uh, if you want to. Uh, just net support radio. I'm sorry, netsupportsoftware.com forward slash radio. And I was just 
distracted there as well. Uh, Tom Carnes, or Cairns. Hi, Russell. Can we request the classic Who Are <laughs> Who Are You for Matt Jones? He loves it. What Who Are You? Oh, is that by the Who? I don't think. Who are you? I, I don't know that song. I'll ask Matt in a minute. Yes, you can request it, and we probably won't play it. But, Tom, thank you very much for your tweet it's really good get in contact with us on twitter as well just use the hashtag net support radio or use my name in there if you want to tag us as well we've also got email as well if that's more uh, readily available to you you're very very welcome uh, up next is our graham brown martin interview fascinating guy he was the guy that opened the conference here with the ministerial keynote speech really interesting leading the conversation in the forum and this is not to be missed so pin your ears back sit down grab yourself a drink this is really revealing and very interesting back by popular demand you're listening to net support radio with russell prue dj Share your news and views with Russell and the Net Support team on Standex 20. Here, live at Jess 2017, every day. Welcome to Net Support Radio. Listeners, you're in for a treat, and so am I. With me is the fabulous, the inimitable Graham Brown Martin. Welcome all the way from the United Kingdom. Well, not because you were in France just before you got here, I noticed. Yes, I was in Lyon um, working on a, on, a, on a project which will be launched in May called We the Educators. Um, and, and more than that, I am not allowed to say, but oh, um, okay. it, it was entertaining. I wasn't looking for an exclusive, but you are very well. No stranger to our show, listeners, uh, Graham and I have exchanged comments over the years many many times as well and we our, our history goes back a very long way none of that for this show uh, what were you here to do and how did it go yes so i was delighted actually to be invited to give the opening keynote at the ministerial forum that's here the global education forum so it's um it's aligned obviously to the guest uh, event um but it's it's re- i suppose the equivalent in in there's one in the uk which is education world forum they yeah. do this is the equivalent for the middle east um, so it was, yeah, it was terrific. I mean, really, really responsive, interesting, delightful people. I ministers from different um, countries in the region. Um, I mean, actually, the, 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 the morning session, just meeting, the meet and greet was fascinating. Yeah. Um, I learned a heck of a lot there very, very quickly and then had to rapidly incorporate it within my keynote. <laughs> it comes to us all eventually, I have to say. It's really good. Uh, what are the challenges here? And, are, and have you learned anything we can take back? Or you're bringing something here? I mean, Well, I mean, I, I think that it, the education in the MENA region, I mean, it, it, it has the same challenges, actually, that, yeah. that education globally does. Um, I mean, in essence, I mean, if you look at the, the MENA region specifically, I mean, it has challenges. For example, there's about 50 million uh, children that, that don't have access to to, to education uh, in, in, in you know the wider region. I mean, we're talking about MENA, not the UAE. Um, but also, I mean, the issues really be, beyond that kind of immediate getting access to education is the question about, yes, well, we will agree that access to education is a good thing, but we don't really talk about what the education's for. You know, what is it yeah. to do? What is it to do? So, Today really was, um, in my keynote, was really encouraging the ministerial audience to think about what their education system was meant to do. Um, now, there are all kinds of answers to this, and I don't think there's one single answer. Um, but you know, if we look at employment, 
for example, um, any child joining, you know, entering education today, uh, whether here or elsewhere for that matter, uh, or any child that's in the education system today, it's important to realise that the jobs of the future are the ones that machines won't be able to do. So, and that's, you know, we're not talking about simply blue collar jobs, uh, manufacturing and so forth. Um, you know, a lot of what we would call traditional middle class jobs, yeah. anything, that's, anything that could be measured or anything that's uh, rule based will be replaced and automated in some form in some period of time. And that time is quite, quite near. I mean, there's a, a lot of nonsense talked about um, AI at the moment and so forth. So I don't think this is going to happen next week, but it's going to happen um, in children, you know, the children that are going through education in their lifetime. I mean, it's happening in our lifetime. Yeah. Um, and we're not really confronting that. So, so one issue is, is around em employment. You know, the, the traditional metric, the economic metric, if you like, for education was linked to employment. But there are uh, much bigger issues, actually, uh, than that. I mean, you know, how are we going to deal with a rapidly growing population? I mean, 11 billion people by the end of this century. Uh, I mean, it's doubled since I've been here um, in terms of, of the people. Now, what does that mean? I mean, it, it means that we are going to be stuck for resources. It also, when you combine that with other things that we know are happening, you know, climate change, for example, we know that's actually happening, regardless of what um, certain na national presidents might, might think. Um, it, it's happening. And the point is, it's not ha it won't just affect a particular region. It will affect everybody in some form. And you combine rapidly growing population with climate change and then add uh, antibiotic resistance, um, aging population, ideological conflict and so forth. And you, know, you, you have some challenges. It doesn't have to be dystopian. I mean, I'm not kind of doom and gloom. I'm very optimistic about sure. the human species. Um, but we are going to have to rethink or reimagine yeah. what society looks like. And surely we need to be baking some of those uh, challenges, if you like, into our education system. I mean, you know, gosh, we're all bored with hearing the talk about 21st century skills, aren't we? Yeah. Um, the thing is, is that they, without context, uh, they mean nothing. I mean, we really need to be thinking about the 21st century challenges. So in my keynote this morning, really, it was about those things. It was about, look, we will need, I mean, if we think about what our purpose for education is, yeah. it can't be simply passing the same tests that we've always been about passing. You know, this, you know we, we live in a very different world now. Um, is uh, education really about content distribution and testing? Um, it can't be reduced to that. I mean, of course, this, the craft of teaching is much broader than that. I mean, the, the ability to contextualize knowledge yeah. uh, is the skill of a, of, a, of a qualified and experienced teacher. And I think we need to credit that. I think there's a sort of a wave of opinion that thinks, oh, well, we can just sort of do what Uber's done for taxi drivers and just kind of get less skilled, less trained, less qualified <laughs> teachers, give them a tablet and let them read off of that. You know, we don't really need talented teachers to do that. Well, of course, that's absolutely bonkers. Um, because actually that's not what teaching and learning is all about. But it, that's what it's become because of a very uh, narrow testing regime. Yeah. And so in order, if, you want, if we, you know, we accept that, the future is going to look different uh, in some form with employment, the challenges that we face. And people say, well, you know what, Graham, there's always been challenges you know, throughout history. All we need to do is learn the classics and we'll be fine. Well, actually, <laughs> folks, we've never had 11 billion people on the planet. That's no. over Earth's carrying capacity. Yes. Um, we've never had, in, you know, in our species' lifetime, rapid changes in climate. No. 
we've never had the kind of ideological changes on an industrial scale that we're now seeing yes. as a result of a connected community. Yeah. So we need to start thinking about those things. And I think the, the, the way to get change is to disrupt the assessment model. The, yeah. Because assessment, because we don't really mean assessment, the word, the language, the vocabulary of assessment has been stolen by technocrats and bureaucrats. What they really mean is measuring. It's out with the measuring stick. Um, you know, because if you want to know whether your child is learning, you know, you, you listen to them, you talk to them, yeah. you, know, you, you sit with them, uh, you know, you be with them. That's how you know, that's how you assess. And teachers, good teachers, have been doing that for generations. Um, and actually parents, if you're worried about whether your child is learning, you know, speak to them, you know, hey, do you know what I mean? For some, that's just a huge challenge. I mean, that's just, you know, we talk about that in the humorous columns, we're talking about, you know, parents greeting their child with the mobile phone in their hand, and there's no eye contact, and there's no conversation, and there's good evidence to support that's going on, but it's, as you say, easily solved. What about protecting and, and grabbing hold of and, and reinforcing one's own culture, particularly here, but also elsewhere in the world? Uh, Americans will be try trying to do the same things. Mexicans will also be trying to do the same things. Uh, but here as well, this is a hugely multicultural society and, uh, and the uh, uh, indigenous population will want to hang on to their culture yeah, in some and, form. And, and so they should. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, one, of, one of the, the reason why we're all here as, as survivors, if you like, of, 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 of thousands of years, millions of years of evolution is sure. because of diversity. Yeah. Um, you know, diversity, it's from diversity that we get innovation. No diversity, no innovation. So you look at the, you look at the natural world, it's all about diversity. And the, the point about having diversity is when there's a challenge, there are multiple solutions um, to that challenge. And so, heaven forbid, we, 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 we become homogenized. And I think education, the way that education has been uh, globally dominated by multinational corporations, yeah. there's, a, there's a serious uh, risk yes, that is. we could homo homogenize. Yes. I mean, the sort, yes. of, uh, sort of intellectual colonialism, yes. um, you know, the idea that you can sort of roll education out like a piece of software yes. uh, across nations and so forth. I mean, that, that sort of, again, reduces what education is, is about. And yeah. I think that, you know, traveling a lot as, 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 as we do, as I do. I mean, you know, I, I, I like going to a country where there isn't the sort of, it's not the same as at home. I don't need a McDonald's or a Starbucks or all, all, all that stuff. But it goes far deeper than that. I mean, yes. it goes into values and so forth. And I think if we look at the sort of globalization 1.0 project, that was driven by economists. I mean, I think that we have a problem. I mean, the, the problem is, is that we, we listen to a lot to the economists who are making um, effectively, these are neutral, unelected economists that are making political decisions in effect because they are supporting particular uh, directions that politicians ought to go in or politicians will justify a policy based on the numbers. But of course, these numbers are, are Hans Christian Andersen because the reality is economics is a, is a poor relation of the social sciences. Yeah. It's, you know, it has this veneer of respectability because it has some uh, equations and, and so forth. What it doesn't have an equation for is that human beings aren't rational. Do you know what I mean? I mean, we're seeing that at the moment. I mean, you know, and I think there's a, there's a particular problem that if we try to just put everything through a sort of economic blender and say that GDP is the only metric that we're interested in, well, then we're on a, on a hiding to nothing. And I think we're seeing the evidence of that now in the way that society is, rather than coming together, is beginning to crumble in, in a variety of ways. So maintaining um, diversity, maintaining cultural difference and identity, I think this is very valuable. I think homogenizing education, I mean it has a very homogenizing effect anyway isn't it? Yes. We're all doing these standardized tests 
And let's not, not forget, standardization is not the same as standards. No. You know, we can have higher standards, but we reach them in different ways. Yes. I mean, ch children, students, people, all of us have different abilities, different aptitudes, or forever changing. Yes. And so forth. And, and skilled, qualified teachers know that and work with that and, and contextualize uh, knowledge for, for them. That, that's what a skilled practitioner, practitioner does. I think that, and that takes into account the cultural context. Um, the, the value system within that region to, to dispense with that as if it's not useful. I mean, I think that the results of that sort of death star of culture uh, are all, all too relevant today. I mean, we're, we're seeing the results of that. So, you know, I think, you know, if I was having globalization 2.0, um, you know, I, integration and, and respect for other cultures and embracing other cultures, I think, um, is, is, a, is a route that I would go. Um, you know, the idea of devaluing or, de or, or, or removing them, I think, is uh, it, it, it's a shame. I mean, it impoverishes, impoverishes yes. the human experience. Um, and I don't think it's necessary. I'm so enjoying this. I'm going to break just for a quick session, uh, listeners, just for you to collect your thoughts, uh, reflect on this, and drop us a line if you want to get in contact. Details coming up on how to do that in a second. We're back with Graham just after this. Back by popular demand. This is Net Support Radio. Are you ready? Yeah! Come and meet the Net Support team on Standex 20 at Jess 2017 here in Dubai. It's Net Support Radio, broadcasting live every day from Standex 20 here at Jess 2017. Time for some music now. This is number two in the charts here in Dubai. This is Mahmoud Oran. Really like that great track. And if you were asking me, Russell, what's it? What's the music scene like over there? What's it like culturally? I would simply play you this song because it's got everything in it. And we've got Graham Brown Martin still in the studio with us. Graham, thanks very much for for spending that very valuable time with us as well. Um, so so enjoyed uh, your most recent publication, uh, Learning Reimagined. When can we expect a nut something else from you? What is next? It's funny you should say that, really, because I, I I have to admit to be sitting on my hands. I, so I've been developing uh, an idea, marinating it in, in various writings, and actually, I mean, you can find bits and pieces of it yes. in my blogs and so on. I mean, I, I, much of what I do is co-created. I mean, the book was very, the last book was very well received, but I can't take the entire kind of blame for that. I think that, you know, a lot of it was from my, the people that follow me or, sure. or I talk to on, on social media and so forth. And, 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 and I've been doing a bit of that. And so, you know, I'm working, the, 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 the next project really is a follow-up to Learning Reimagined, although not focused entirely on education. Okay. Um, what I'm looking at are these challenges that I was discussing earlier. Um, you know, the, the, the sort of big, sort of horny, thorny type, thorny type challenges. You know, like population increase, um, climate change ideology, and so forth, and then reviewing the individuals and organisations that are doing positive things about them. Right now, of course, I mean you can buy all kinds of tomes about climate change or population sure. or ideology and so forth. Um, I think that the, I suppose, what I give to the, you know what my output, what my special imprint is, is the ability to take a lot of these fairly weighty subjects. Um, dive into them, do my Rain Man thing that people seem to like, um, and then and then and then join up the dots in in ways that perhaps um, others haven't done. And so the the idea of the next volume, um, and I can't give you a deadline for this, but I think you know it'd be at least a year. Um, but in a similar vein to Learning Reimagined, i.e., 
Um, there's some of myself in there, but also a review of, of as I mentioned, you know, the individuals and organizations that are doing really interesting stuff. Um, you know, everyone from sort of Elon Musk uh, to Naomi Klein, for example. Sure. I mean, there's a broad canvas. And I think that it's, um, you know, the idea is to create some sort of foundation because people sort of say, well, Graham, why do, why, why do you think we have to change education? Why do we care about this? Why can't we just, look, do a black box for education? We, you know, the idea is we want these kids to get through these particular sets of sure. tests, literacy, numeracy, blah, 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 and out. Uh, why do you why you keep pushing for change? And I think it's because we're not reflecting the context in which um, you know this this younger generation sure. is, is emerging into, and that's a simple. And so the, the idea of the next book really is to focus on those things, so that there is a at least a, an understanding that these are. It doesn't have to be a dystopia. I mean, as I've said, I'm I'm optimistic. I think that we will. You know, what the, if you look at the current um, stresses that the that the politics and, and, and are happening both in Europe and uh, and in the United States, you know, maybe you know we've often thought about disruption and structural reform and all that kind of business. Um, you know, perhaps things have to get quite messy, um, you know, for, to get people to wake up and participate in society. Um, and this book is, is to try and add a little bit to that conversation. But of course, children are different around the world, and I. As you say, I think that's quite right that whatever service, whatever, however we get there, it's going to be different, it's going to be disparate, it's going to be broken up, it's going to be disruptive. But for some people, that's still too uncomfortable for them. What's this? Do we just have to wait till these people are out of their job or do we, can we move them on? I mean, it's interesting, you mentioned about the UAE and Dubai um, having you know, such a, a diversity in terms yes. of population and yes. so forth because everyone's coming here for different kinds of, yes. of jobs and so forth. What, what strikes me as strange, actually, is that if you look, because obviously people that are expats, which is the majority of the population, um, don't use state education. They, they use the private education, international schools and so forth, yes. as you would expect. Um, but what's interested me is that, that in the international s- school sector, there are English schools and there are the American schools and there's yes. the Indian schools and yes. so forth. What a, what a lost opportunity. Yes. Um, you know, I, I have to say, I think, you know, if I was bringing my children here, I would want, I mean, the whole point of that is to get that kind of broader experience, to, to sit next to, you know, you know, Emirati kids, to sit next to kids from China, to sit next, do you know what I mean? To, yes. to understand more and so forth. And not, again, absolutely not to homogenize, but to create the, the, the idea of global citizenship. Um, you know, because, you know, I mean, a simple example, but a very current one. I mean, Bangladesh, for example, will be underwater in 30 years' time. That's more than 30 million people. Well, what are we going to do? I mean, you know, we, we get bent out of shape, you know, with Syria, don't we? Yes. You know, like, you know, our governments and yes. so forth. I mean, yes. you could argue that Brexit yes. is a result of us, you know, our inhospitability, yes. you know, inhospitability to, to strangers. Um, but, but what's going what's to happen to the 30 million people when, when Bangladesh is underwater? Um, you know, this is a, a global issue, and I think it's this notion of understanding that we are interdependent on our fellow human being, wh- wherever they happen to be. So, you know, if we look at the equatorial region, you know, let's say the continent of Africa, it will be somewhere that is about 1.1 billion population now, be 4 billion by the end of this century. Um, now, the, the, the equatorial regions are going to be worst hit. Uh, by climate change over the next 30 to 40 years. So you're going to see that area, which isn't only the home to, to hundreds of millions of people will be, but also where we get a lot of our food, our minerals, resources, the things that are in your mobile phone and so forth. Yeah. So we can't turn our back on, on, on that. You know, we can't turn our back on, on those nations. Yeah. Um, and so that, that, that's why we need to be more 
to recognise the interdependency, we need to be, you know, we need to hold out our hands to this because the alternative, I mean, the the, you know, the reason why you get uh, civil unrest, uh, you know, whether that translates into terrorism or whatever, is a result of uh, a situation where the minority, you know, have, you know, the majority have less, so the minority can have more. Um, I mean, that, that's an unsustainable system. I mean, it, these it, are it, world government kind of problems, yet we don't have one. How close can we ever get to that? Well, I think, you know, world government, I think, is, is, is problematic. Um, you know, you sort of, you're running into the sort of Bilderberg, Illuminati, you know, new order type, type new world order type things, because, you know, you're then down to whose system would it be? Um, you know, and if you look at globalization 1.0, that's pretty much a Western model. I mean, if you look at um, the sort of, I mean, I mentioned talking earlier about e- economics and so forth. I mean, if you look at what's happened since the, the, the Second World War and Europe and the Marshall Plan, I mean, these economic bodies, for example, OECD, uh, IMF, World Bank, um, these are all come out of this economic system. And, and there's this sort of belief that we look at the words being used, you know, people mention the economy all the time. Well, what is the economy? What what does it what is it actually? I mean, it's it's unknowable, and yet we we do we have black boxed this thing where yeah. the language of e- economics is not known by the general public. It's not being taught in school in the in in, in, in a language. We're not taught sociology as a compulsory subject, and so forth. And so the result of that is is that there are these conversations happening about policy, about global policy, which the general public don't have access to because they don't have that language. It's in this sort of black box language. And you know, when you think about the enormous influence and power organizations like OECD, World Bank, IMF, and so forth, we really ought to know a lot more about them. So before we start thinking about global government, uh, we need to be thinking more about on, on what, what terms, because economic metrics like GDP are typically industrial objectives. They've got nothing to do with social objectives, you know, what we do as a society, the things that we could do if we wanted to do, because, you know, things that we worry about, like poverty, for example, is that's a man-made problem. It's not natural. No. Um, we've made that. We've made that happen. So clearly, you know, since the Marshall Plan, since this kind of this love affair with, with, with economics, it hasn't solved those issues. Um, and GDP is very, very dodgy one anyway, when you think about you know, um, the, the amount of minerals that are extracted from, from developing countries and, and with no taxation being paid. Do you know what I mean? So we have to kind yeah. of get some more, a uh, better purchase on what's really going on before we start thinking about global governance. But I think from, you know, education is, uh, education is a reflector of society. Education can't change society. Society has to change education. Now, we might like to think that we could be revolutionaries in education and change the world and so forth, but unfortunately, education, you know, like religion, like mass media, like the judiciary system, is a structure to maintain the status quo. Yeah. The question is, what is the new status quo going to be? And that's, I think, to, to create a population that's uh, politically engaged, that understands a conversation, that is awake. And I think the, you know, I think the... If there's a, a silver lining in the cloud of political unrest that's happening in Europe and America right now, I think it's that possibility that we might wake people up and they will participate. 
So I'm, I'm listening to you and I'm also thinking, wow, this is just amazing. But I'm, I'm thinking about something that Seth Showstack that I, I, I follow in it. He's a chief astronomer at SETI and he's talking about off-world kind of thing. So whilst you're here talking about this, let me just throw something else as well. So uh, the, uh, some minerals we can't recycle, can't recoverable, copper, zinc, uh, he talks about some of these. We're going to need to go and get those from passing asteroids. We're going to need to be living in space stations. We're very close to doing that already now. And his prediction is that that will be one of the things we do in this century. We start living off world. That gives us a chance to almost dehumanize society because this will be a separate colony elsewhere. And I just wonder whether that's the solution we should be aiming for that. But AI won't get us there because we still need the creative problem-solving skills that human beings have. This is a So what do we take from the Earth and repopulate elsewhere? It's an interesting one, actually. I read an article at the weekend, and I wish I could remember the astronaut who said it. Um, but the astronaut said that, that when we're born, we go to heaven. Um, and what, he, what he meant by that was that, you know, this planet really, if you think about the, the chances of this happening, to be on a rock that is uh, the perfect distance from the sun with the, with the perfect combination of, um, you know, minerals and, and, and gases and so sure. forth, that's created this quite incredible planet. Yes. And then the idea that we'd want to go and live on a, on a, a deserted rock like the moon or a, a, a rust heap of Mars. Yes. I mean, it's, it's, it strikes me as absolutely insane. I mean, yes, of course, I'm not anti-exploration yes. and, and so forth. And, and like you say, there may well be um, sources of energy, helium-3, for example, on the moon, um, that, that will be very valuable to yes. us. But I don't think we should for a second think that, that, that this is any kind of life raft after we screw it up here. I mean, I think you're right in pointing out they're not making any more land. Um, and therefore, we should start looking after what we've got. Yeah. But uh, but uh, but the but the notion that we can all sort of you know, disappear into into another planet. I mean, first of all, how do you move 11 billion people? Well, of course you don't. Um, and yeah. then, okay, what is it? Just the white people? I mean, where where where? Do you know what I mean? You can see how complicated this would get. Yeah. So, but back to the point. I mean, do I believe that we will be? Uh, there will be some of us living off world. Um, yeah, I hope so. I mean, you know, I, I was inspired by the Apollo. Uh, missions when I was a child. I mean, I desperately wanted to be an astronaut. I used to write to Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin and so forth. Um, but let's let's also point out that you know, after all the hoo-ha and and uh, and big words from from uh, Elon Musk and and uh, Jeff Bezos and so on, that in 2018 we're going to fly a couple of multi-billionaires around the moon. Yeah. So so it's tourism then. Yeah. For the wealthy. This, this doesn't sound like what, no. what your gentleman was talking about in no. terms of, you know, for the benefit of all no. and, and, and so forth. So I think that, you know, I think we need to keep a, a close eye on it. I think that absolutely, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i excited. I mean, you know, I, I mean, I, you know to, to, the, the, the potential for landing a human being on the Mars, on Mars yeah. uh, in my lifetime. Wow. I mean, I'm going to watch every second of yeah. that. But let's make sure we do something with it. Let's not make sure, you know, let's, let's hope it's not just like a race to see who can get there first and plant their flag. Um, and, and let's not build colonies for the sake of it. Let, let, let's think of it really about what we do. Because I think in reality, this is the only planet that we have. I mean, unless we see uh, a significant change in physics uh, that allows us to go to travel faster than the speed of light, we're not going to be bumping into another intelligent species anytime yeah. soon. Uh, it may well be, of course, we've got the notion of time wrong. Uh, I mean, you know, once upon a time we believed that the Earth was flat. 
uh, yes. it, it may well be that actually we don't actually have to travel maybe we can do something else yeah but then we're into sort of woo woo kind of dimethyltryptamine indeed um, <laughs> territory <laughs> Seth's not a big fan of these uh, post light, light speed travel really I have to say but it's still a very interesting and part of these topical discussions are what can spark excitement absolutely. interest uh, and get people to buy into absolutely I mean I'm, 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 I'm all for it I mean there's um, a gentleman Jonathan Nelder um, in Australia who's definitely worth checking out find him on Twitter and so on and um, he was in London recently stayed at my place and we were talking about a project that he's working on which is called the future you and it's fascinating actually because he was asking me lots of questions which really sort of got me got my juices flowing mm. which was mm. what would a school look like on Mars yeah do you know what I mean? Because, and that's an interesting question, isn't it, really? I mean, what, what, what would a school be? Because if you're assuming that's a colony and it's not coming back um, and you've got children there, what would you teach them? Do you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. you know, what, 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 what are the cultural artifacts that they would need to know? Um, I just think it raises a lot of... I mean, even if we never build a school in our lifetime... It's a darn good question. I think question. it's a good question yeah. because it's that, Absolutely. you know, it's, that, it's what's important to us, what do we value? Yeah. Um, and you could you could play that. It's an intellectual exercise, yes. which I think that Jonathan's going to turn it into, and, and I'm on his advisory team. I hope he does that. But I think that, I mean, like the Apollo missions for our generation, I think that this is going to create so many opportunities for for thinking about you know obviously new technologies, new ways of doing things. Sure. But I think as a sort of almost a contextual hub for thinking about what what it is to be human, I think it's going to be absolutely fantastic, and, and I'm all for it. I just, I just think that we, uh, we're a long way from having a, a foot on the boat before we take our foot off the pier. And at that moment, I think that's a perfect chance to, to finish the conversation. Uh, listen, if you want to find Graham, he's on Twitter. Graham, where do we find you on Twitter? Yes, Graham BM. Uh, be nice. I mean, Twitter, I hope, Twitter seems to be getting, it seems to be improving again now. It went through yeah. a period where people were quite mean to each other. Well, I apparently mean, there's know. this really good. There, there is this mechanism apparently in, in UK law where you can sue someone if you don't like what they've said well, about I think you. It's a hard one, you know. I mean, you know. I mean, I think the problem, the problem is we end up with echo chambers. I mean, I try not to block or filter or mute anybody yeah. on social media. Uh, because actually, I think part of the problem we're seeing now is, yes. you know, we all get stuck in our echo chambers. Yes. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I have friends, lots of friends that I don't agree with. Um, in, uh, all I find is actually often sharpens my thinking, even though I'm right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. The most exciting thing at this cover is that, the, that they've raised hundreds of thousands of pounds for someone's legal bills. But actually, it was a fake. Uh, I know. That's and, it's, and that money's going to charity to feed people that can't feed themselves. And I exactly. think, yes. Exactly. Yeah, oh, I think we need to sort of re- reclaim social media. I mean, I remember Twitter when there was like, you know, like you know, 300,000 people or something. And it was just it was just great to be there. It was like CB radio yeah. uh, for those. Who can remember CB yes. radio, and uh, you know, I, I think there, you know we do need a space for uh, sharing ideas and public yeah. debate and, and so forth. But it doesn't have to be a blood sport. That's really good. And um, finally, one four for a copy. Thanks very much indeed, Graham. Great to chat Thank with you. Thank you very much. Cheers. By the fabulous Graham Brown Martin, listeners. Share your news and views with Russell and the Net Support Team on Stand X20. Here, live at Jess 2017, every day.
Well, good afternoon to you. It's just coming up to three minutes till four o'clock. Time to say hello to Neve. Uh, Neve has sent us a tweet. Thank you very much. Great hearing my dad speak on Net Support Radio and your amazing Russell. Well, that, Neve, is the best way to get your tweet or text read out on the show. That girl will go far, listeners. I can't tell you. Absolutely amazing. Uh, also on email, thank you very much indeed. I'm just selecting that button there. There we are. Uh, Mark Goodman. Ah, oh, Mark's not feeling well today i'm sorry to hear that mark um could we play something from bob marley to bring some more sunshine to the uk now before i saw that and before my visit to virgin megastore last night i'd have said no and i'm still going to say no no because i haven't got bob marley but they were playing bob marley really loud at 10 o'clock last night uh, at the virgin megastore in the dubai mall really really loud can't tell you what we were doing there secret mission checking out some tech um, but really good. Um, maybe I have some for you tomorrow, Mark. Um, if I can make that happen, I will try and do that. Uh, time for our final track. And I have to say, as it is in the UK, uh, the fabulous Mr. Sheeran is dominating the charts. And as we finish our show, time for some more music. This is Castle on the Hill. In true traditional BBC radio fades, it's time to say goodbye to Ed Sheeran. Thank all my guests. Thank you so much indeed for appearing on today's fabulous live show, Net Support Radio, show number one, live from Dubai. Time is exactly four o'clock here and 12 o'clock midday in Greenwich Mean Time time zone. Thank you to Al Kingsley, to Corina Suta, fabulous from Jacko Support. What a fabulous name there as well. Um, and also Graham Brown Martin, who gave us an amazing uh, insight into their music today, was from Ed Sheeran and Mahut Oran. And we'll have some more music from the Dubai charts for you tomorrow. We're doing it all again tomorrow, listeners. Do not go anywhere. You need to get your dial exactly where it was, because it's all happening again tomorrow from 11 a.m. GMT. GST, we're at 3 o'clock in the afternoon until 4. It's time to join us again. Then we'll have some more guests we've got uh, simon pridham on the, i will need a translator i'm quite sure for that uh, simon is on the show he's been here as well we'll catch up with some more colleagues as well have yourself a lovely afternoon if you're listening in great britain and elsewhere around the world good afternoon good evening and thank you for listening this has been a net support radio show with me russell Prue. good afternoon good evening Share your news and views with Russell and the Net Support team on Stand X20. Here, live at Jess 2017, every day.